When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following podcast is not meant for children or for liberals, even though that's pretty much the same thing these days, but that's what we're here for. Somebody's got to keep these brats in line. Anyway, you've been warned. It's the right opinion. These days, our media's either incompetent or malevolent. They don't believe in heaven, but they acting like they haven't sent. Knowing the truth is way harder than telling it. We gotta work harder, gotta be more intelligent. Sometimes we just gotta grab a mic and start yelling shit. We're living in times when it's hard to stay relevant. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Boom. Welcome back to The Right Opinion right here on The Right Opinion. Dot podbean.com also available on Hameen Media Group. Podbean.com and Rat Salad Review.com, as well as your podcatcher of choice. Just search the right opinion, it'll be the one with the thumbnail that is black and white and red all over, like the New York Times used to be. Anyway, what's going on, everybody? I'm, of course, Harrison Bergeron, your host for this program, and I'm here to provide some hope. I'm the blue lantern of the political uh, landscape here on the podcast airwaves. Look, we all know, as you could probably tell by the name of this program and the general tone of it over time, I am a Trump supporter. If you missed that detail, you're not paying close enough attention. That said, it's a tough time to be a Trump supporter, right? All of the mainstream polls are telling us that Donald Trump is absolutely going to lose this election. And many people will remind the people that are sure that Joe Biden will win that those same polls told everybody that Hillary Clinton was going to run away with the 2016 election. I'm checking my calendar here. Nope, that never actually happened. So, rather than just give you the, oh, it'll be the same as 2016, I decided to take a look at some alternative polls and some alternative metrics that I think point in the direction of a Trump victory. Now, let me be perfectly clear. I am not ready to make my prediction yet. That will be coming probably in a week's time as we get closer to the actual election giving some time for October surprises to unfold, as there's apparently a lot more coming out about Hunter Biden. I've heard a variety of reports, the ceiling of which I don't think will ever actually come to fruition, but I do believe that there is more information that will probably be more damning than the current information based on the fact that Rudy Giuliani and Steve Bannon appear to have control over this information, and they're going to kind of replicate, or at least from what I can hear from their statements, try to replicate a little bit of the WikiLeaks drip, drip, drip of information. You drop a little bit of information, you wait for them to deny it, and then you release the other information that confirms it. We've seen a bit of this already with the Hunter Biden emails that came from his laptop, the validity of which the Biden campaign still really hasn't questioned in any substantial way. So I'm led to believe that they are true. Also, I come with my aforementioned bias, and for that matter, research that I know Hunter Biden was absolutely up to no good while his father was the vice president. He was quite clearly dealing in influence peddling. And uh, now we have some emails to back it all up. I'll remind you all to go back and listen to my episode entitled The Biden Crime Family, 
and it details a lot of this information before it came out in the New York Post this week and was banned from Twitter. So go check that out. Obviously, I think a lot of that stuff is true, and I think a lot of it will come out. How much of it will actually affect the undecided voter, if there is such a thing out there, we will uh, we'll, we'll see on November 3rd. So let me set the stage for you. I'm going to go to Real Clear Politics because they do a nice average of many of the mainstream polls. Here's where we sit right now as of Sunday, October 18th, 2020. Presidential Trump job approval. Approval, 44.8%. Disapproval, 53.8%. That is a plus nine in the disapproval category. Not good. The general election, Trump versus Biden. Biden coming out ahead with 51.3% of the vote, according to the real clear average uh, poll average, which is them taking all of the existing polls and essentially averaging them out over, I guess, I think it's a seven-day curve. Could be a little bit more than that. Neither here nor there. It's generally the most recent polls from the big pollsters, Gallup, Rasmussen, uh, Trafagler, which we will talk about a little bit later on, and a few others, um, Quinnipiac, Monmouth, so on and so forth. So Biden up 8.9% according to the Real Clear poll average. The direction of the country is another poll that they provide here, where 31.1% of those polled said that we are on the right direction, we are in the right direction. And 62.1% saying that we are in going in the wrong direction. We are on the wrong track. That is a 31% swing for people who think that we are on the wrong track. Seems a little odd. I'm sure a lot of that has to do with COVID. How you could possibly make that judgment without factoring in COVID is legitimately beyond me. Because in February of 2020, the United States was in possibly the greatest standing it's ever been economically. And, uh, and it's, it's tough to imagine that anything other than COVID had to do with that. I did not get time to go back and look through the back data on that particular poll. But either way, what I'm basically going to tell you over the course of this podcast is you could just go ahead and ignore everything I just told you. <laughs> what are the polls missing? I think the polls are missing a lot. And I don't think it's any big surprise to anybody being just how much they missed the last time around. And rather than just point to last time and say they're wrong again, here are some metrics that I think are encouraging for Trump supporters everywhere, which is not to suggest that you should not go vote regardless of your party. Get your ass out there and vote. It is your civic duty. For that matter, let's go to Trafalgar. The Trafalgar group did a poll. This has been widely brushed off by the mainstream media, but... Worth note is that Trafalgar was the only poll that correctly predicted a Trump victory in both Pennsylvania and Michigan the last time around. Here is their lead pollster, Robert Gahali, talking about Trump's chances in 2020. Notice how it's very, very different from what you're hearing on CNN, MSNBC, and probably even Fox News. Mr. Gahali, do your thing, bro. Right now, I think Trump wins in the mid-270s. I think he wins Florida. Florida's, I, I don't think Florida's a question. Ohio and Florida are not a question. Anybody talking about Georgia and Texas, that ain't going to happen. I think North Carolina, he'll edge out North Carolina and win it. And then, it, then he'll, I think he will win Arizona. And so then it comes down to he only has to win one of Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. And I believe he will win one of them. And I think Michigan is an excellent chance for a Trump victory. I would say probably of those four, 
Michigan is the most likely one that he will win. And if he wins the others, that's all he needs. Well, there you have it. So let's look at some of the key takeaways there. Robert seems to think that Florida and Ohio are already in the Trump column. He also seems to think that despite some of the fear-mongering polls you're seeing out there, that Georgia and Texas are not even remotely on the board for Biden, even though I think some of the more recent polls are showing even Texas Biden is is only is within striking distance, essentially. He's within almost the margin of error. I think they were saying that Trump is only up three points in Texas. That's a fallacy. That is a, a, a ridiculous assertion. And frankly, if Trump doesn't win Texas by 10 points, I don't think that he'll have enough support across the country to win elsewhere anyway. But I think Trump will win Texas fairly convincingly. I think he will win Georgia fairly convincingly. And I'm I'm with Mr. Gahali on Florida, although I'm not quite as confident about Ohio. But hey, he's the expert here. I'm not going to quite put Ohio in the Trump column as far as my calculations go. But his affirmation on Florida is certainly nice to hear and definitely helps to reinforce my already my, my already found belief that Trump is going to win Florida. And again, Florida is another one of these states that if Trump doesn't win it, the rest of this really doesn't matter. It would take a miracle for Trump to win without winning Florida. That said, I think Florida is firmly in the bag for Trump. So all, another thing that Mr. Gahali mentions there is North Carolina and Arizona. These are states that have kind of been pushed into battleground territory because of a lot of these polls that are going out there. I think I'm I'm less confident on North Carolina, but I'm fairly confident that Arizona, as purplish as it is getting, I think people um, in Arizona are going to ultimately do the right thing and pull the lever for Trump at the end of the day. And I don't know that it's enough of an electoral swing one way or another. I think Arizona's only got about nine electoral votes. So even if he lost Arizona, I think Trump still has a path to victory. That said, I still think if you put a gun to my head right now, Trump will take North Carolina and Arizona as he did in 2016. I don't think enough has changed there, and I don't think there's enough people that were just so anti-Hillary Clinton that that they were the ones that really swung those particular states for him the last time around. I think those same people will look at Joe Biden and realize it's a lot of the same shit with just a used car salesman smile slapped onto it, Who and that used car salesman, by the way, will sniff your women, your wife and child should you take them to the car lot. So Maybe best that you go that one alone there, bucko. Anyway, uh, so that's the Trafalgar group. We will probably hear a little bit more about them as we go on here. But just bear in mind, once again, they were the only poll that correctly predicted a Trump victory in Pennsylvania and Michigan last time around. It sounds like he's predicting a, a victory in Pennsylvania. And then from there, uh, oh, I'm sorry, he, a, a victory in Ohio, Pennsylvania and Michigan are still up on the board, even according to Robert Gahali. I think Trump will take at least one of those. And that will cut off a lot of the oxygen to Joe Biden. If he wins both of those and Florida, Joe Biden is essentially dead in the water. So just worth keeping all that in mind. But as usual, keep in mind, all of the polls you're hearing, a lot of them are general polls that have to do with nationwide polling. And the likelihood is this Trump, even if he is victorious, will probably not win the popular vote. Can he pull off the victories in the states that matter? There are very few states that matter. I think I have the list down to about 11. I think as far as the ones that are realistic to go potentially really one way or another, we're down to about five or six. And the big five and six, I mean, obviously, a lot of people have Florida on the board. You know where I stand on Florida now. Uh, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Ohio are, are kind of the big five. And then North Carolina or Arizona really aren't technically battleground states up until this particular election based on the polls. If, if even those two states are split, I don't think it will make a drastic difference at the end of the day, although I do think both of them will go to Trump ultimately. 
So moving on from there, there's another poll that actually shows Trump out front in both the national polling and the Electoral College polling. This poll is from Patrick Basham of the Democracy Institute. And uh, here's some of the findings that he had. Now, he did talk about how Trump was actually farther ahead in his poll and has now kind of come back to the pack a little bit. He addressed that Biden, uh, that Trump rather, initially had a national lead, or I guess a couple weeks before this particular interview, which was at the beginning of October, Trump was well ahead. He was three points ahead nationally and seven points ahead in battleground states. That has narrowed a little bit, but Trump is still up one point in the national polls and, for that matter, four points in battleground states. And again, the battleground states are the ones that really matter at the end of the day. He can lose by 100 million votes in California he still only loses 54 electoral votes or 55 electoral votes, whatever it may be at this point. So then later on in that particular interview that Patrick Basham was doing, he was talking about how that that move from up three and up seven in the national and the battleground polls moved to plus one and plus four. And he said that's because they actually shifted from a two-way race to a four-way race in their polling. So they gave pollies, I suppose, people answering the polls, the ability to pick a third-party candidate where Patrick believes they are, quote, parking their votes, unquote. So the idea is that people will tell pollsters, I'm voting for Kanye, or I'm voting for Joe Jorgensen, or I'm voting for Harrison Bergeron. Write me in, please. Um, You know, whatever the case may be, people will say that, but really they haven't quite made up their minds yet and that they will ultimately likely move back to either Trump or Biden, with more of them, according to Patrick Basham, going back to Trump than Biden. That's important. Moving on from there, Mr. Basham believes that the shy Trump voter is very real and that it is not only real, that it is larger than last time, meaning that the shy Trump voter in 2016, something we will talk about towards the end of the program a little bit, and for that matter, something that the Trafalgar group was actually factoring into their polls which is possibly why they were more accurate the last time around, because they were taking into consideration the fact that people weren't willing to openly express support for the president. They think that those shy voters still exist. It's so weird that that Trump voters could in any way, shape, or form be shy, right? I mean, you guys hear me. You've seen some of the loud conservative voices out there that are avid Trump supporters, we're not very shy people. And you would think that people who support a president like this are not likely to be shy. And really, they're probably not. It's so much that they're worried about the lashback from neighbors or from family members that they just they just keep their political opinions to themselves, something that more of us could probably do. I know what you're saying. But Harrison, you have a show about this. Yes, I have a show about this. I don't force my show on anybody. No one has to go out of their way. Or no one is being forced to listen to this. Unless you go out of your way to listen to this, you are not subjected to my opinions. And for those of you who do go out of your way to listen to it, I appreciate you. Yes, even you, Colin. So the rural Trump voter is more likely to be a shy Trump voter. And according to Mr. Basham here, and I quote, the shy Trump voter is more likely to be, in fact, an African-American in an urban setting, or a suburban white woman, end quote. So those are the shy Trump voters. And when you look at some of the polls showing President Trump's support amongst minorities in particular, you see that they're much higher than they've ever been for any Republican. I've seen some polls as high as 20, 25, 30% support 
amongst the African-American community, something that no Republican has really ever even scratched the surface on in my lifetime, at least that I'm aware of. So then moving on to another point here from Mr. Basham on those shy Trump voters, he says again, and I quote, those are votes for Trump that if they come in are going to surprise people because they're the ones who are least expected to support him, end quote. He later goes on to say that there is even a shy Trump vote in Maryland District 7 where Kim Klasik is running for office, and she is doing spectacularly in that race. One would assume that many people who are voting for Kim Klasik are probably going to vote up and down ballot for the Republican Party. If you've opened your eyes by Kim Klasik exposing the Democrats for taking advantage of minorities and taking advantage of impoverished communities and promising to make them better and never actually making them better, the likelihood is is that your eyes have also been opened to the fact that Donald Trump is the one standing in the way of all of these tyrannical, disingenuous Democrats that continue to kiss the asses of minority voters and then do nothing to help them, unlike President Trump, who doesn't need their vote one last time with only 8% of their vote and still goes out of his way to increase his popularity amongst the black voters and the Hispanic voters and women of color and other religious minorities. He really doesn't need a lot of these votes, yet he does go out of his way to do this. This is one of the things that's very frustrating as a Trump supporter when I hear about how divisive he is. Yeah, he would be divisive. If you believed all of these non-quotes that the media continues to tell you about how he called Mexicans rapists and how he called the Nazis very fine people and yada, 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 when you actually look at all of these quotes, none of these things are conveying the ideology that the media wants you to believe that they are. And so if you've absorbed all of those, yeah, it's no surprise to you that Donald Trump is a racist and doesn't care about the black vote. But if you've actually been paying attention you'll notice that Donald Trump is going out of his way to attempt to try to attract black voters when he has no legitimate reason to need to because he won last time with very, very few of them. I think he knows, like I know, and like many right-wingers know, is that if Donald Trump can somehow chip away even 5 maybe 10% of the black vote, the Democrat Party is dead forever. And that may very well be his endgame. Maybe that's why he's doing this. I don't know. But another group that he certainly had some trouble with is the younger vote. As we all know, these communists, they come right out of college. They think they know everything, and in actuality, they know very little. So Patrick Basham here talks about the young voters, and he says, and I quote, We believe there are going to be significantly fewer younger votes. We think there will be at least one million fewer votes from that group in total in 2020 and compared to 2016. Well, if there's 1 million fewer votes and most of those young voters by at least a 60 to 30-ish split, obviously there's some some middle ground in there, but it's about 2 to 1 that the younger vote goes Democrat versus Republican. Well, if a million don't show up, then that's about 600, 700,000 votes that are not going to Joe Biden and about you know, 250, 300, 333,000, whatever it is, however you want to do the split, that are not going to go to Donald Trump. That seems like a net plus for Donald Trump, who's going to earn somewhere between two and 400,000 votes this time around in that particular metric that he wouldn't have, or at least he will have more of those votes than he had the last time around and when compared to the whole. So younger voters are not showing up. Black voters and suburban women are potentially shy voters. None of this is getting factored into any of the polls from what we can tell. Other notable points from Mr. Basham include the fact that New Hampshire— is a mini Minnesota, which is turning Trump. 
The war and peace issue is big in New Hampshire. New Hampshire and much of the country like Trump's refusal to go to war. Trump is in very, very good shape there, end quote. That's New Hampshire. That is four electoral votes that went to Hillary Clinton in 2016. This guy is saying that it is going towards Trump and could very well go to Trump. Interesting. All right. Not something I factored in. In full disclosure, I've done some of my math already. I'm still kind of waiting out on some of the battleground states to finally plug them in where I think they're going to go. I had New Hampshire going Democrat, didn't even think about it. And I probably still will just for the sake of you know, consistency on what I was calculating. But ultimately, New Hampshire is up for grabs, according to uh, Patrick Basham here of the Democracy Institute. He also points out that Trump is leading in Pennsylvania and Minnesota as well. Minnesota is, is a state that, by the way, thank you to uh, Coach. I don't want to give away too much of your information out there, but you know who you are. You hit me up on Instagram to give me some of your feedback about uh, about what's going on up in Minnesota. And he was a little optimistic. I mean, it was he wasn't he wasn't fully saying yeah Trump's going to win this, but he was kind of talking about how um, it really comes down to Minnesota and St. Paul kind of carrying the state towards the blue side of the aisle, much like Pennsylvania does in with Philadelphia, where Philadelphia most likely will carry the state for the Democrats more times than not. That said, we were kind of going back and forth a little bit. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't an incredibly lengthy conversation. And Coach, feel free to reach out to me whenever. I always appreciate it. But um, we were talking a little bit about kind of, you know, the Minnesota-St. Paul area saw obviously the full effect of the riots. And if Trump only lost Minnesota, or I'm sorry, yeah, Minnesota, by 40,000 votes last time around, is the violence and the rioting and the lockdowns and all the other things that they might be dealing with up there, is that enough to sway 40,000 votes or get at least a subsection of those votes to stay home? It's entirely possible. Minnesota, appear, apparently Trump is leading, according to Patrick Basham of the Democracy Institute. Yet another one I sort of had on the fence. I personally have it leaning Trump because I think he did make up so much ground. And I think people look at what's going on there with the riots and what's going on with their with their Congress people and the fact that they're all just lunatics. And you got to once again come to the realization that Donald Trump is pretty much the only thing standing in the way of that becoming the norm everywhere forever. Basham is confident that Trump will win Florida. Again, so am I. So was uh, the, the Trafalgar group as well. Trump can't take Florida for granted, but Florida at the moment is, quote, bordering uncomfortable for Trump, end quote. He believes Trump is getting beyond Biden's grasp. And then one of the last couple things here, uh, there will be a greater number of Trump Democrats in 2020. This actually surprised me, right? So I can believe that there was enough Democrats in 2016 that just didn't like Hillary Clinton that they might have given Donald Trump a chance. Also, let's take into consideration Trump was a Democrat on paper for most of his life. So they could probably look at that and go, all right, I mean, he's not the best pick, but he's not Hillary and he's not some radical right winger, which he kind of turned out to be, thankfully. Um, but uh, there's a lot of people I can see making that decision. However, I can see there being a situation where a lot of those people just didn't vote the last time around, right? It's like you're looking at a douche and a turd sandwich. I'm not going to participate in any of this. Maybe I'll vote for a th third party. Maybe I'll just won't vote at all. I could see that being the case in 2016. I don't necessarily see that being the case in 2020. I do have to take a little bit of issue with this. He doesn't provide any data, at least from what I could see from this article that I'm writing as to why he believes that. 
I take umbrage with that particular point, but again, he is the guy who's looking at the data and running the numbers, so I will obviously concede to a certain extent to his expertise on this, but it would be very, very hard for me to really wrap my head around that fact. I think that there could be as many Trump Democrats in 2020 as there were in 2026. I would think a lot of these people are no longer Democrats after watching the last four years. Maybe that is what he's referring to, but the idea that there's going to be a lot more Democrats that are looking at Biden, looking at Trump and saying Trump is more in line with my ideology. Maybe these are kind of the old, the blue dogs, the quote unquote conservative Democrats, which there is no such thing, mind you. But maybe these are people that are at least close enough to the center to where the radical left is 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 driving them crazy and they see no path to get away from that radical left if Joe Biden is elected because he will obviously cater to them at every turn, whereas Donald Trump might not necessarily be their bag, but he is definitely in defiance of that radical left and might very well be looked at as a stopgap for some of these quote-unquote 2020 Trump Democrats. Again, I, I don't know how true that particular one is. I'm not seeing any real data out there that suggests that, unless, of course, we are talking about some of the black and Hispanic vote that is coming a little bit more towards Trump's way. Maybe they didn't go out of their way to re-register, and who could blame them? It's it's sort of arbitrary, and who really cares at the end of the day? But more Trump Democrats in 2020, according to Patrick Basham of the Demo- uh, Democracy Institute, that one is a little baffling even for yours truly. That said, let's go over to Gallup. Gallup had a couple of polls out recently that didn't get quite as much attention as you would imagine they would, because Basically, every other Gallup poll is not particularly good for Donald Trump, and those are the ones that you see all over the news. Here are two polls that I, weirdly enough, show the same basic percentage of Americans believe the same basic principles. 56% of Americans believe Trump will win the election, according to Gallup. That's, that's interesting, and I don't know what they're basing that on. I don't know if these are necessarily—I believe these are likely—no, these are registered voters— from what I understand from the poll. I don't know what they're seeing that makes them so confident about this. Frankly, I'm the most diehard Trump supporter most of you know. I'm not looking at this as if this is going to be a landslide, easy-peasy victory. I think we're going to have to scratch and claw for every single vote in every single county, in every single swing state, and that scratching and clawing may very well go into December because of, obviously, some of the complications with the mail-in voting. That said, I did tell you we we're going to talk a little bit more about the shy Trump voter. I give to you Selena Zito, who is a right-wing, granted, pollster of sorts. She was recently on Glenn Beck's program talking about the secret Trump voter. And here's a clip where she's talking about the 2016 secret Trump voter, which I would think are not necessarily those Trump Democrats that we were talking about. But I do think that there are going to be more people this time around that are going to be shy about their support for Trump. And I think that there's a certain level of Trump supporters, yours truly included, that have become trolls over the last four years. And so if they did actually take the time to complete a poll, the likelihood is is that they probably would have told some of these pollsters that they were voting for Biden so that it looks like Biden's going to win and that they could be woefully disappointed when that doesn't happen. There's a lot of evidence to suggest that stuff like that is happening. Here is Selena Zito again on the Glenn Beck program talking about 
the shy Trump voter in 2016 and how shy they were and then take into consideration the fact that she, I, and many others, including the people I've mentioned thus far, Patrick Basham and, uh, and the Trafalgar group, all seem to think that there will be more of these so-called shy Trump voters, as funny a term as that is, in 2020. Here is Ms. Zito. Take it away. Um, in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, uh, um, and Wisconsin, in our book, there's a poll in the back, a survey of just Trump voters. And they 34% of them did not tell a family member, a friend, or a pollster that they were going to vote for him. Holy cow. And Holy that was 2016, which was like a Disney movie compared to today. Oh, yeah. Mr. Beck is as shocked as I am there, even though my clip cut him off, but... 34% of people that took that poll, granted it was an exclusive poll for Trump voters, it was the back of a book that was written for Trump voters, but 34% of those people didn't, not only did they not tell a pollster, they didn't tell a family member, a friend, nobody, nothing, nada. And notice which states those were, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Wisconsin, and Michigan, I believe. Those are the big, those are the four biggest states on the board, uh, not electorally, but as far as importance overall, those are the four big Rust Belt swing states that Joe Biden desperately needs and Donald Trump desperately needs. And again, I believe it's going to be a dogfight right down until the end for those states and for those votes. Now, I mentioned to you before that 56% of Americans believe Trump is going to win. Might those be the same 56% of registered voters that feel that they are better off now than they were four years ago? Mind you, the last three presidents, four presidents that were reelected, three presidents, last three presidents that were reelected had lower numbers than this on this exact same poll of registered voters by Gallup based on how much better are you off today than you were four years ago. Obama was reelected in 2012 with a number lower than 56 George Bush was reelected in 2004 with a number lower than 56. Clinton in 96, same deal. And last but not least, Ronald Reagan in 84 was reelected with lower numbers on this same poll. 56% of Americans feel that they are better off now than they were four years ago. Now, is all of that directly, you know, at the feet of Donald Trump? No, obviously not. But if you feel like you were better off in 2020, than you were in 2016, might I suggest that some of your troubles could have very well been coming from the previous administration and have now been alleviated by the current administration. Let's not forget that everybody got a tax cut under President Trump. So from that standpoint alone, economically, everybody's doing better. The mod- the middle income, um, yeah, middle middle class income increased more under Trump than it did under Obama. Right there, your life has gotten better. And we haven't even gotten into some of the you know freedoms and the deregulations, uh, the corporate tax. If you had a small business out there, you got a 14% raise from Donald Trump. Your corporate tax went from 35% to 21%. Joe Biden is promising to push it back up to 28 although I highly doubt he will stop there. But that just seems to be the quote-unquote moderate number that he's working with right now. And so 56% of Trump voters, uh, 56% of registered voters, according to Gallup, think Trump will win. And coincidentally, perhaps 56% of Americans believe that they are doing better now than they were four years ago. I would reckon that those are the same 56%. Those are the people looking at it going, well, my life is a lot better than it was four years ago. Some of that has to do with Donald Trump. 
And I think, you know, that will translate to a certain extent to more votes for Donald Trump. Do I think he'll win the popular vote? No, I really don't think that's even a possibility. Although, what a kick in the ass that would be for the mainstream media and the left if Trump were to somehow pull that out. They'll probably make the claim that suddenly mail-in voting is fraudulent, and that'll be funny to watch. So, that's a Gallup poll and a Democracy Institute poll and a Trafalgar poll. Let's look at some of the non-poll polls. These are some of the metrics that I think will ultimately lead to more Trump support than is being broadcast in some of the polls. So, let's go to Facebook. Every day, there is a Twitter account that puts out the top 10 Facebook posts, and it shows which posts saw the most traffic on a day-to-day basis. Here is a week from uh, from October 8th to October 14th. A couple days are cut out of here because I don't believe they do this on the weekends for whatever reason. And this is just the data I clipped out at the time. I'm sure it would look no different if I were to move to the 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th, and whatever. So here is... October 8th, here are the top 10 posts on Facebook. Number one, Dan Bongino. Number two, Dan Bongino. Number three, Dan Bongino. Number four, Dan Bongino. Number five, Dan Bongino. Number six, USA Patriots for Donald Trump. Number seven, CNN. Number eight, Sleepy Joe. Number nine, Jesus Daily. Didn't even know that was a thing. Number 10, CNN. So as you can see there, most of the top ones and the top six are all right-leaning reports or posts, I suppose. October 9th, Franklin Graham, number one. Dan Bongino, number two. Fox News, number three. Dan Bongino, number four. Ben Shapiro, number five. Dan Bongino, number six. Dan Bongino, number seven. Donald Trump for president, number eight. Steven Crowder, number nine. And number 10, Fox News. If you notice that there are no left-wing posts in the top 10 on Facebook on that day, You are correct. Moving forward to October 12th, Franklin Graham, number one, Dan Bongino, number two, Donald Trump, number three, Fox News, number four, Blackpink, whatever that may be. I guess that's a women of color website of some sort. If not, my mind is going places. Number six, Dan Bongino, number seven, Fox News, number eight, Dan Bongino, number nine, Us Weekly, and number 10, David J. Harris Jr. Not a lot of left-wingers on that particular day either, assuming Blackpink is a left-wing outlet and Us Weekly probably bordering on one. That's about as far as it got on the 12th. On October 13th, Franklin Graham, Dan Bongino, Fox News, Ben Shapiro, Donald J. Trump, Dan Bongino, Dan Bongino, Robert Reich, Fox and Friends, Donald Trump. I don't know who Robert Reich is, but unless he's a left-winger, all of those are right-wingers as well. And then we get down to 10-14, so October 14th, Comicbook.com got number one. I think that had something to do with Spider-Man news. But then number two, Dan Bongino. Number three, Ben Shapiro. Number four, Dan Bongino. Number five, Dan Bongino. Number six, Dan Bongino. Number seven, Dan Bongino. Number eight, Dan Bongino. Number nine, Jay Sekulow, the president's attorney. And number 10, Robert Reich again. Whoever this gentleman may be, he's more popular than virtually everyone else on the left, apparently. So that's your Facebook post. That's what's getting the most circulation on Facebook, a website that really does go out of its way to quash some of this traffic. And yet, there they are. They are the top 10 every freaking day. Dan Bongino is all over this list. He's got a massive audience. That doesn't just get manufactured through Russian troll farms and Twitter bots. He's got probably about 2 million people listening to his show on, on between Rumble, YouTube, podcasts, 
his website, Bongino Report, and Bongino.com for that matter. He's also now a has a, has a not a controlling stake, but a stake in Parler and a stake in Rumble, both alternative social mediums to obviously Facebook or Twitter and uh, YouTube. So he's out there fighting the good fight. He didn't like the Drudge Report. He did the Bongino Report. He didn't like Twitter. He invested in Parler. He doesn't like YouTube. He invested in Rumble. And that's why I believe he has the following. He has the guy puts his money where his mouth is. Moving on to other metrics that I think are going to ultimately lead to more Trump votes than are being reported. There are 5 million new gun owners in the United States in 2020 alone. That's just in 2020. I'm sure there were more than that in some of the prior years as the gun grabs and the gun confiscations and the gun control legislation was the hot topic of the day when there was an apparent school shooting every other day that everyone seemed to forgot about. Yes, I know the kids aren't really in school these days, but they've been very quiet about that for a very long time because it doesn't help their narrative. Doesn't. That's 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 the type of vocabulary you get here on the right opinion. But I think that's interesting. I highly doubt that these 5 million gun gun owners are a lot of residents in blue states. And I really doubt that these 5 million new gun owners that purchased guns in the last year, many of which probably as a result of the violence they were seeing in their streets in democratic cities, uh, or at least on in, in the cities that they live nearest to. I, I would like to think that these people would be smart enough to not vote for a candidate. They may very well take those guns away from them. Five million new gun owners sounds like a lot of new Republicans to me, and I'm certainly hoping that that is the case. Also, let's get into voter enthusiasm here. This kind of goes back to, uh, there's a couple different numbers I've seen for this, both of which are very, very good for Trump. So, young voters lean heavily for Biden. This is according to NPR.org. But, and I quote, 56% of likely voters who support the president are very enthusiastic about voting for him compared with 36% or 35% of likely voters who back the Democratic nominee when asked about their enthusiasm. That's a 21% voter enthusiasm gap between Biden and Trump. I've also seen another number from the New York Post that shows that it is a 64% for Trump and 44% for Biden, meaning that we are still at a 20% split. I have seen no polls whatsoever showing Biden even within shouting distance in terms of voter enthusiasm. We could see it in the rallies, even amongst the pandemic. You've got thousands of people lining up to go see President Trump and six people sitting in hula hoops at Biden rallies, if it's even six people. There was recently one that there was no one there. And even the reporter on the scene was like, wow, it's really boring here. Like, no shit. Of course it's boring here. You guys are all paying money or wasting your time to sit there and watch a sock puppet talk about policy he doesn't fully understand. Of course it's boring. All right, so we got a couple of other polls here I want to touch on or a couple metrics that I want to touch on before I get into some of the specifics on some of the states. Primary voters matter. Much like black lives and all lives, primary votes matter. In presidential primaries when a candidate is going up for re-election. If that candidate gets 75% of the primary votes, they typically win re-election. Donald Trump received 94% of Republican primary votes. 
that puts him well above the 75% margin. Now, could this be the exception to the rule? Certainly. This whole year has been the exception to the rule. This election will undoubtedly be the exception to many rules. But Donald Trump has a commanding lead and a commanding support from the Republican base, which is very much why I think the Trump campaign decided going into that first debate that we are not trying to win over the moderates. We're not trying to win over the centrists or the undecideds. We are going to try to get every single eligible Republican voter to the polls. And I think that is their strategy, and I think it could work. I think if you could get a big enough turnout with the Republicans, I don't think there will be nearly as much turnout as the Democrats are hoping for, mostly because a lot of their base is a bunch of young whippersnappers who don't know their asshole from their elbows and will inevitably screw up that mail-in ballot because it involves more than like three instructions. And for that matter, many of them may not vote anyway because they're watching these mainstream media polls and seeing, oh, Biden's up by 14%. We don't need to vote. They never learn. They really never learn. And you would think that I would assume that they would learn, but no, no, I've been covering these people long enough to know that they never fucking learn and that they will probably not learn this time around. Last but not least, Zogby, a pollster, not a highly respected one, but one that has certainly been in the business for a while. Zogby has Trump at 51% approval. In accordance with all of Zogby's history of polling, never once has a president lost as an incumbent when they had more than 50% approval on Zogby. This according to WashingtonExaminer.com and obviously Zogby himself. So all of those metrics are showing you that there is a possibility, maybe even a likelihood, that Donald Trump is going to win. But as I talked about at the top of the show, a lot of this comes down to the Electoral College and the electoral votes and that Rust Belt, baby. Pennsylvania, Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio, Wisconsin. Those are the big five. Again, if you're of the belief like I am that Trump's got Florida locked up, Pennsylvania is probably the most important because if Donald Trump can pull off Florida and Pennsylvania, it basically cuts off any chance that Joe Biden has of winning unless he wins Arizona, North Carolina, and the rest of the Rust Belt, one electoral vote in Maine and maintains New Hampshire and whatever. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff that Joe Biden could do to win, but it would be it would be nearly impossible. If Trump wins Pennsylvania and Florida, I'm talking 80 to 90% chance that he wins the whole thing, probably even higher than that, statistically speaking. So let's get into Pennsylvania. Since 2016's primary election, in the state of Pennsylvania alone, Republicans have added 165,000 net voters to their voter rolls in Pennsylvania. What have the Democrats done during that period of time? They've only added 30,000 voters. That's a lot of voters. So that is 135,000 voters that Donald Trump has picked up in Pennsylvania. Mind you, if you look at that whole Rust Belt that I just calculated there, I believe we're looking at now Michigan, Ohio, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, all states that Trump won, all states that Trump won by less than 80,000 votes. So he only had... 80,000 votes ahead in that area. He just picked up 135,000 in Pennsylvania in the last four years alone. Now, the Democrats still maintain an 800,000 voter edge over Republicans in Pennsylvania, 
but that's down from the 936,000 that they had in 2006 when Trump still won and won by, granted, less than 1%, but he won the state. Now he's got another 135,000 voters in his coffers ready to go. And you've got to imagine if these people added themselves to the voter rolls in the last four years that they are going to the polls in 2020. Why else would they do that? Now, I cannot stress to you again how big Pennsylvania becomes because, again, it cuts off Joe's oxygen. If Trump can win Florida and Pennsylvania and keeps Arizona and North Carolina, which he won the last time around, by the way, Biden will have to then win Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, and Minnesota to get to 270 electoral votes. And as we've heard from some of the pollsters that I mentioned before, Ohio is potentially in the bag for Trump already. He's winning in Minnesota, and as at least one of them said, he's ahead in Pennsylvania. That might be it. That could be it for old Joe. Down goes Biden. Down goes Biden. Potentially. Again, not quite ready to make my official decision yet. I will definitely give it to you within a week of the election, probably next, yeah, maybe, well, maybe not within a week, maybe within two weeks, next Sunday or the Sunday after. Either way, you will definitely get a prediction, presidential prediction extravaganza from the right opinion, rest assured. Now let's head on over to Michigan. This one, another state that Trump won last time around, miraculously, mind you, no one really saw this coming. We've all seen the lockdowns that they've had to deal with as a result of Governor Milfi, so much so that apparently people were trying to kidnap her in a PT cruiser. These are obviously the military galaxy brains that we all need to be worried about out there. Fucking PT cruiser. Really? This I'm supposed to take this as a serious terrorist threat. They were supposed to be using a wood-paneled PT cruiser as a getaway vehicle. Really? Neither here nor there. Wolverine Watchmen mostly pissed me off because of your mixing of comic book themes, but neither here nor there at the moment. Let's get into the great state of Michigan, and let's go to Steve Cortez. Granted, Trump supporter, right? Let's get that out there. Like to be as as open and honest about the disclosure as I possibly can be here. But he's also a bit of a political mind, and he's got four reasons why he thinks Michigan will go to Trump. And then I've got another one or two of my own. But Mr. Cortez, if you will, sir. Joe Biden heads to Michigan today. He needs to go there because he's losing the state. According to Trafalgar polling, they are the most accurate group in 2016, correctly called Trump's victory there. Here are four reasons that Biden will not prevail in the Great Lakes state. Uh, first of all, let's look at the economic record of Trump. In February of this year, before the China virus hit, 3.6% jobless rate in Michigan, the lowest of this century. What's happening now? Over a half million new jobs added back to Michigan in the last four months. Let's look at Biden's record of economic failure. His terrible trade deals with China cost Michigan 92,000 manufacturing jobs. Those are high paying, family sustaining Michigan jobs. We're not going to retreat to his place of economic globalism. Lastly, and maybe this is the most important, tomorrow will be the last Saturday without Big Ten football. Thanks to President Trump, the Spartans and the Wolverines will be taking the field in eight days. That's right. I brought back Big Ten football. Vote for me, Michigan. <laughs> you can see him like sitting in the fucking White House in his PJs like yelling at the TV. I can imagine. Um, actually, most of the time I picture him sitting on the toilet tweeting, but neither here nor there. Um, so there you go. Steve Cortez. I mean, the last one's a little bit hokey, uh, but you could see, obviously, there was a dramatic economic impact that that was was noticeable in Michigan prior to the China virus, obviously, coming over here. This is a state that kind of went out of its way to vote for Trump the first time around. They saw the results that they were looking for. I I still can't 
honestly believe that any rational human being blames Donald Trump for the things that are going on in and around this virus. He didn't start it. He's done everything he can to quell it. He's a fucking germaphobe who definitely didn't want this to spread. He obviously did not want this to be a stain on his legacy. He obviously has not been the tyrannical dictator that they all claimed he was going to be when he got, when he got the opportunity to be because he stuck to our federalist system and allowed governors like Governor Milfi to ruin their own fucking states as opposed to him doing something that, whether it was good, bad, or indifferent, was going to be blamed for whatever deaths occurred in that particular area. So, will Michigan continue the way of Trump? Well, I've got another important metric for you. This is actually funny because I had to fact check my mom. What's up, mom? I don't think she's listening. and Let's fucking hope not. Uh, <laughs> she sent me a little thing saying that Trump is leading in Michigan mail-in votes. And I said, I didn't even think they could start counting them yet. And even if they could, I'm certain that they can't be posting the results yet. Well, I had to do a little bit of a fact check. And the, the graphic that she sent me did show that Trump is leading. However... It only showed that he was leading, or should I say, more specifically, Republicans were leading in the Michigan mail-in vote requests. So they were not willy-nilly sending votes out to everybody, apparently. In Michigan, you still had to request them if you wanted to not have to go vote in person. The people that requested them, and this actually shocked me, because if they have the ability to vote in person, I would imagine Republicans are more likely to do so, despite the fact that the Democrats were all about mail-in voting, and then they quickly changed their mind and said, no, 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 go vote, go vote early and vote in person and yada, yada, yada. I thought that was going to kill you, but neither here nor there. Michigan mail-in vote requests, 41% of which came from Republicans. 39% came from Democrats and 20% from independents, who quite clearly will decide the state. But 41% coming from Republicans, to me, that means that we're not only leading in the mail-in votes, but we will also in all likelihood be leading in the in-person votes, because again, I think Republicans are more likely to go vote in person because they're less terrified of this virus. They are not letting it dominate their lives. They're taking cues from our commander-in-chief, who's a 74-year-old obese man who had it and survived it. And yet, for some reason, we're all supposed to be hiding in our basements like another certain presidential candidate uh, would like us to be so that he's not alone. And that's it. That's really all I got for you here. Some hope, right? The blue lantern of the political sphere, uh, the red lantern's full of rage. That may very well be where I find myself on November 4th. But here we are. This is the right opinion, right? We give you the right side of things. You can get the left side of things on MSNBC, CNN, certain shows on Fox, New York Times, Washington Post, Yahoo News, CNBC, CBS, blah, 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 blah. It's out there. It's widely available, and it is most certainly not unbiased. My show is definitely not unbiased. I fucking tell you right out the gate. It is in the name. You're getting the right opinion. I even wrote it in red, or at least the R in red, so that it was perfectly clear to you that you are getting the opinion of a Republican, a Trump supporter, a conservative, a right winger. So all you hear is doom and gloom out there. It's kind of like the DNC, right, where all they did was talk about how terrible this country is and all these problems that we have never once acknowledging all the wonderful things that happen here, and yet they want to be the ones in control of all the wonderful things that happen here. Uh-uh, ain't gonna happen as far as I'm concerned, and hopefully you are concerned as well. So I gave you the hope. We will talk in a week or two about the election, most certainly before the election. I will give you my official breakdown, the Electoral College numbers, everything in as extraordinary detail as I could present it to you until that time. Go ahead and 
tell everybody you know. Again, I want everyone to vote. Would I prefer if you didn't vote for Biden? Obviously. I think that's a given. Would I prefer that you not throw your vote away on a third party? More times than not, although there's a part of me that says if Trump wasn't running, I would vote for Kanye, just because. And I may very well end up writing in Trump for the rest of my life, so I will be throwing away my vote for the rest of my life, unless, of course, there's another Trump who runs, in which case, I guess that'll all work out. But until that day comes, we have an election to worry about. It's occurring on November 3rd. If you have not put your ballot in the mail yet, don't do it. Walk your ass to your local ballot box and drop it in yourself. That way you don't have to rely on the Postal Service to do it. Although I am sort of curious as to who picks these up and when. Could it be the Postal Service? I don't know. But look, if you can't vote in person, then then that's unfortunately all you're left to. If you can vote in person, please do. I'm stuck in New Jersey. Wasn't even an option because our governor sucks. But um, that is no different than most of the left-wing governors across the country, Phil Murphy, Andrew Cuomo, Gavin Newsom, Governor Milfi, Tom Wolf, they all suck. They are terrible. And they have one thing in common. They're Democrats. No real surprise, I'm sure. But that's it. That's all I really got for you. Hopefully, I provided you a little bit of hope. I gave you some statistics that you can say to your friends and be like, hey, yeah, you know what? It doesn't look so good for them right now. But here's a few things that do look pretty good for them. There's a downturn in the youth vote. There's an upturn in the black and Hispanic vote. There's a lot of shy black men in the urban areas, and for that matter, suburban white women that are not telling pollsters or even friends and family members that they're voting for Trump. There's 5 million new gun owners, and the only polling group that had Trump successfully winning Pennsylvania and Michigan the last time around says that Trump has got more than a good chance of doing that same thing this time around. You've got the Democracy Institute talking about how Trump is way ahead in 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 some of these states that are being that are being called kind of battleground states. At the end of the day, it's not all as dark and gloomy as they want you to think it is, because that's precisely what they're doing, is just trying to get you to think it's awful. These are suppression polls. Trump has been saying this, and as we all know, Trump eventually turns out to be right about everything. So, or maybe not everything, but most things. And uh, and so he's been using this terminology, suppression polls, and he's 100% correct, because again, these people never fucking learn. If the media was smart and they wanted to manipulate people into voting for Biden, what they should have done is made the polls look like Trump was winning so that all the lunatics would go run out and vote. But like I said, the youth vote will not be as substantial in accordance with uh, one of our pollsters here because they're lazy and they just think that Biden's got this thing in the bag because they never fucking learn. You hopefully have learned something here this week, but if nothing else, I hope you take away one thing from my show every week. And that's that opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. But this asshole has the right opinion. And you can only get it right here on the Right Opinion Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media at Right Opinion Pod on Twitter, Parlor, and Instagram. And follow this fine podcast at the therightopinion.podbean.com, hamimediagroup.podbean.com, and ratsaladreview.com, as well as your podcatcher of choice. Just go ahead and search The Right Opinion. It is, once more, the thumbnail that is black and white and read all over, like the New York Times, the failing New York Times, used to be. I'll talk to you guys next time. Peace. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Boom. Boom.